know and understand Jesus and his goodness. Um, I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to get into God's word uh, and talk about more of this beautiful Christmas story. Let's pray together. God, thank you, Lord, for this uh, beautiful morning you've given us. And Lord, we believe that you're a God who wants to speak to us, and we want to hear today. So we pray for the eyes of faith, the ears to hear, and the hearts to embrace, God, what you would have for us. Father, we pray your blessings um, on this time, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and move in each of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what makes me excited about the live nativity is that uh, what's going to do is going to close that, that cultural gap, that cultural distance a lot of us feel with the Christmas story, you know? I mean, most of us are from Chicago, right? Most of us are from an urban context. And so the, the times we see a sheep or a donkey is when we go to the zoo. They're like zoo animals. And other people are like, that's life. That's everyday life. So I'm excited just so we get a taste of what that might look like. Um, so it does close that cultural gap. You know, one thing I want to tell you guys about, too, is that God's given an opportunity for me and Erica to continue to close that cultural gap next week. Um, some of you guys know that on Saturday, Erica and I are both flying out to Israel. We're flying out to Israel, yeah. So long story short, um, there's a group called Passages that has a, trips for college students to go out to Israel and it's cost them 750 bucks, uh, all inclusive. Crazy, right? And so they, uh, you could have, I told you, bro. Um, they, they, so ba- basically what they said, like, hey, Eric, do you know of any college students who can go to this trip, uh, who are Christian college students, and uh, let them know? And I was like, all right, I'll do that. I said, any space for thirsty Latino pastors? And they're like, actually, we do need a faculty member. Here's the application. And I was like, man, I'm going, going hard or going home. I said, any space for thirsty Latino pastors' wives? <laughs> and they're like, we've had couples come before. Here's an application. We got it approved. It's all paid for. It's free for us to go. How cool is that? Yeah. And even more exciting, uh, Megan Molina's coming with us and Jeremiah Navarro. So for two people from the Brook College students who love the Lord. Uh, it's going to be an exciting opportunity. We'll be gone for 10 days to pray for our kids, you know, and my in-laws especially. All right. So we'll be closing that cultural gap. As, uh, as I've talked about Christmas in this series, we, we're, I'm trying to close the distance between this, this far-fetched feeling like it's far-fetched story, this mythical thought, and bring it to more and more real life. All right. I, I think the animals, the nativity scene will do that. But we've tried to help us close the gap even the ancestral gap. Like we learn how Jesus' his family, his, bio- his, his earthly biological family had, was filled with scandal. It was pretty checkered. And I think a lot of times we see Jesus' family like, hey, that's got something in common with my family. All right, so we're, we're seeing, we're seeing the, 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 the humanity of this grand story because it's true. Uh, we've also closed the, the tension gap. I mean, we look at Joseph and realizing like, his fiance is pregnant, and he had nothing to do with it. There's a real tension there. There's a real tension when he's thinking about, okay, how, how do I walk away from this without exploiting her to public shame? When the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, wait, God's got, actually got something to do with all this. But we feel that tension. We, we've also closed the devotion gap. All right, we read the story of the Magi, these wise men, and we're like, Sure, it's a cool story. These guys, that come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They got their little chant going. We three kings of Orient are. And we realized, well, first of all, there might be more than three. 
We see they brought these gifts. They came from months' journey, but they had a devotion to actually worship the baby. They're not here to bring him Christmas presents. They realize he is the great gift, and they came to worship him. We're, we want to close that devotion gap. Um, today, what I want to close is more of the information gap here. Because, again, we hear bits and pieces of the story, but if we don't actually pick up our own Bible, we're going to miss certain details because we think we know the story, but we don't realize there's more to it sometimes. And today, I'm going to talk about a part of the story that's filled with so much ch- tension. And the reason it's not often talked about is because it's not chipper. It's not a joyous part. It's actually pretty gruesome. And some of you are like, man, I came here for a pick-me-up. I'm not looking for a downer. And I want you to say, bear, I want to say bear with me for a moment here. Because here at the Brook, we're looking for lasting joy. Okay, we're not looking for something that will come for 30 minutes and then dissipate after you leave the building. We're not looking for a, for a high that has a following low. We're looking for something that's substantial. We're looking for meat and potatoes, if you know what I'm talking about here. Because... The Christmas story, we understand these tensions, we close these gaps, but we realize that Jesus' coming to earth meant that he was a baby with a bullseye. That he was one who came and the enemy of our soul wanted to eradicate him and did everything he could to make that happen. And by God's grace, we know the story is that he fails. But we see that God, God has a plan, causes the enemy to fail, but in that failure... There's a lot of horrible things that happen, a lot of struggle in the story. So what I want you to do, I want you to uh, open your Bibles if you can and meet me in the book of Matthew. It's the very first book of the New Testament, as we talked about before. We'll be in the second chapter. It's about three quarters of the way into your Bible. The New Testament goes by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, so we're going to find ourselves in the book of Matthew. Those first four books of the New Testament tell us the story of Jesus' life and the significance of his coming. And in chapter 2, we're going to find out more of this, of this story. Because, you know, a lot of times when our Christmas story retelling, we stop at the wise men, and we know that they didn't go back and tell Herod where they found his Messiah. They said they leave. But you ever ask, what happened after the wise men left? That's what we're going to take a look at today. Would you stand to your feet if you're able to, please, and join me in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 13 through 23. God, help close the tension here. Help close the gap, God, from our eyes to this text as I read, O Lord. Here we go in verse 13. Now when they had departed, that's when the wise men left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill the, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked, he was outsmarted by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all the region who were two years old or under. Wow. According to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. 
Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is God's word. You may be seated. I wonder how Jesus answered the question, hey, Jesus, where were you from? When the friends asked him. You know, I can imagine, like, it's complicated, right? Originally, I'm from heaven, but I was born in Bethlehem. My toddler years raised in Egypt, but I was actually raised in Nazareth. That makes sense, right? A lot of times we meet people like that. We're like, are you part of a military family? All that traveling? Or, are, you know, where you, where, is it the job or who you're running from, right? And Jesus' story, it's, it's the who you're running from. What was going on? What we see here in this story is that God is always a step ahead of the enemy. God is always a step ahead. And so long as Joseph and Mary and Jesus followed God, they'd be in the right place. And I love how the story uh, tells us, it begins with the angel appearing to Joseph. I know that when I read this story, I might be thinking what a lot of you are thinking. Like, it'd be easy to obey God if an angel showed up every night and told me what to do. I mean, several times now, right, Joseph's like, should I, should I marry this woman? What's going on? How do I do this? And an angel says, hey, take her as your wife. Like, oh, all right, cool, that's good. You know, the baby's born, they're, they're ready to, to, the wise men leave, and an angel says, hey, you got to get out of here, Herod's coming. He gets out of there, he goes to Egypt, and Egypt's like, hey, you can go back to Israel now. Okay, he goes back to Israel, like, oh, but wait, don't go back to Bethlehem, go somewhere else. Like, for us, we're thinking like, hey, if God talked to me like that, I'd be easy to follow him, you know? You ever, you ever feel that way when you read the Bible? Um, I, want, I want us to hear something here. We, we've got something far better than an angel talking to us. And, and this might not sink in here. I want, I want you to have a moment. Because the angel didn't tell Joseph what to tell his parents when he took Mary as his wife. The, the angel didn't tell Mary what to do with her friends who were now looking at her differently. The angel didn't tell Mary and Joseph what they were to do as they raised Jesus day to day. The angel gave him important direction at significant moments, but the angels weren't there side by side with him, minute by minute, sharing with them what they're supposed to do. When they were feeling anxious, when they were feeling uh, uh, just afraid of what was going on, wondering, what are we going to do with this child? We're about to raise the God-man. Like, like, what were they to do? And I think a lot of times we think of the angels like, that would be great, without realizing God has given us so much better. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that God... His Holy Spirit begins to live inside of you at the moment you put your faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives in you permanently. He will be your guide in all of life. And he speaks every day through the Bible. All right, so God actually does speak to us. He still speaks to us. He's still leading and guiding us. But just as we're about to see, Joseph and Mary had to listen and then do, just as the same God calls us to listen and to do. So we need to get a Bible, get in the Bible, get on our knees and get moving, following God. So he does still speak. But here the angel tells them, 
upon the Magi leaving, you got to get out of here because Herod is after them. Notice that. In verse 13, he says, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. I'm going to do some backtracking here if you weren't with us last week or just to refresh and jog our memory. Herod was the king of the Jews at the time from an earthly standpoint. He was a wicked man who established his kingdom by bloodshed and force. He was a very insecure man who always felt like someone else was trying to take his throne. So when the wise men came saying, hey, we're looking for the king of the Jews, he's like, hold up. What's going on here? I'm the king of the Jews. I established my kingdom. Where's this one at so I can eliminate him? Just like he had eliminated several of his sons and one of his wives. This dude was thirsty for blood in order to keep his own throne. And so when the wise men come, he tells them, hey, when you find this little child, come and tell me so I can go worship him too. And they're like, all right, they didn't know. But God tells the wise men, this dude's got a plan and it's sinister. Don't follow him. So they end up leaving. They don't tell Herod what's going on. And that's why Herod gets upset. But notice this. From Jesus' very birth, there's a bullseye on his back. There is a plan to remove him from the face of this earth. And that's when the angel says to Joseph, rise, take this child, and go to Egypt. You've got to get out of this land ASAP. Because Bethlehem is about five miles from Jerusalem. And so Herod could cover that ground with his soldiers pretty quickly. What I love here is how quickly Joseph responds. It says in verse 14 that he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. He didn't vacillate. He wasn't thinking twice. He's like, the angel's been, God has led me to this point, and now i got to follow him. And I love how God says through the angel, remain there until I tell you different. Stay put until you hear from me. All right, so, so God's speaking to Joseph, and Joseph responds, and he responds dramatically. I just, I love in this story, we don't know a lot about Joseph. But what we do know is he is a man with great character, and he's a man who was quick to obey God. I love how he was able to see the big picture when what was immediately in front of him was complicated. Notice here, following God, look what it did for him. It got him in a complicated marriage situation. It, following God got him out of his hometown of Nazareth into Bethlehem. Following God now has got him on the run to Egypt because people are trying to kill his son and likely will kill him in the process. So following God did not make life easier for Joseph, but Joseph knows he's in God's will because in God's will is the best place to be. Joseph has a great purpose for us to understand here that we need to have 20-20 vision when it comes to our spiritual lives. Not just look at what's in front of us without any mind for the future. If Joseph was nearsighted, he would have said, look, this is complicated. This is going to make life harder. God, I'm not about following you because right now it's hard. Or if he was just farsighted, he would have said, hey, I'm going to follow God, but I'm not going to pay attention to the details of my life here in front of me. But the 2020 spiritual vision says, God's got a big plan, and that plan matters in the details of my life. This past week, I went to the eye doctor. And uh, it was a, it's, a, it's always a sad moment when I go there because my vision is getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like a negative point, a 7.0, man. I'm, one, I'm, like, I'm, I'm in a tough spot here. And the eye doctor, as I went in, she's checking my vision. She's like, do you wear contacts? I was like, yes, I do. She's like, uh, so I see here that you do the 30-day lenses. How often do you change them out? 
And I was like, you know, I, I can stretch those 30 days to like 90, man, because they're not cheap. And, man, she just, like, reprimanded me. She's like, those are bad for your eyes. You're going to get an infection. It's going to mess up your vision. You've got to change your contacts out. You've got to get out the old in order to enjoy the new. All right, she's telling me that my vision will be blurred. It's going to mess me up if I keep stretching out this old contact lens. And until I remove that old lens and get a new one, then my eyes will become healthy and it'll help them. And so what Joseph is doing, he's showing us something that we've got to understand. See, old ways of thinking live life for the now without any paying attention to the consequence. All right, you guys with me here? So, so often we make choices each day without realizing these choices have implications a week, a month, a year, five years down the road. But so because we're so nearsighted, we don't pay attention to that. And then five years down the road, we look back and say, how did I get here? And the problem was we live with the old lens and never put on the new. And on the flip side, sometimes we're just thinking about, oh, heaven's going to be great, heaven's going to be great, heaven's going to be great. And God's like, yeah, but you're not there yet. All right? So the far side is good, but near, I have a plan for you, a mission for you. All right? So let the, what's in the present be informed by what's in the future, and let what's in the future inform the way you live in the present. So Joseph is here with this child knowing, hey, this is making life really complicated, but I know God's got a big plan in the future, so it's going to affect the way I live in the now. And so he has 20-20 spiritual vision. Family, sometimes the old ways of thinking look easier. They are the path of least resistance initially. They maintain our comfort, but they will often compromise our integrity. When we switch out the old way and embrace what God's plan and purpose is, we can make tough choices, but we're able to say, God, let your will be done in my life. I trust God that you're good, that you're in control, that you got me. One one other thing here. I think a lot of times this needs to be uh, applied to the people we surround and let uh, influence our lives. Our old way of thinking doesn't realize that our friendships will affect the way we live our lives. I have a friend of mine named Tim Kimmel. He says, we have friends who are a liability, and we have friends who are an asset. Which friends do we live and spend time with? Liability friendships will, well, you know what? They'll get you into accidents. Asset friendships will build you up. Now, that doesn't mean you cut off people in your life just like this, but what it does mean is those that you surround yourself with continually will influence your life. And so let's take out the old, let's put on the new, say, God, allow me to make wise decisions. And those friends in my life who are living destructive, let me then be an influencer and not be the influenced. And let me live and love them well. But let me also keep my vision on you, your big picture, and what it means for me now. We've said this before, but shortcuts to God's process often turn out to be road trips, don't they? And they make what God's plan was to be something altogether different. So this is what Joseph does. He gets up, takes his child and his wife, and goes to Egypt. Egypt of all places. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So he leaves, and the angel says, stay there until Herod dies. But what happens between the time Joseph leaves and the time Herod dies? Well, that's what the next few verses tell us. These are the verses that oftentimes we, we don't look, about, look at. We, we forget this happened. 
Verse 16 says, And Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained by the wise men. So Jesus was likely two years old or under at this point, which is why Herod kills the boys of that age. But think about this. In the city of Bethlehem and the surrounding region, there were no boys after this moment who were two years old and under. Just think of the the bloodshed. Think of the horrors. Ten years down the road, there will be no boys who are eight years old to ten years old in the whole town of Bethlehem. There will be this gap which would serve as a continual reminder that Herod came in and wiped out our sons. Now, Bethlehem now has about 15,000 people living in it. Back then, it was a lot smaller of a village. But according to most estimates, there's at least 20 boys there and in the surrounding region. But it could have been upwards of a lot more. And this is why Matthew quotes a passage from Jeremiah, which says that Rachel was weeping for her children. Rachel was the wife of Jacob, who had the, 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 was one of the, the mothers of the, the tribes of Israel. And basically was saying, the mother of Israel, the mother of the nation, essentially, is weeping because her sons are being removed, are being killed. The bullseye that was on Jesus' back affected people in Bethlehem. It affected everyone in the surrounding region. And that, that's not a chipper Christmas story, <laughs> It's not a joyous narrative, but it's the truth. And what we have to understand and ask the question is, why was Herod so bent on this? Yeah, his throne, but like, really? You just wipe out boys two years old and under? When I, when I read this, I think that there's more than the plan of an, of an insecure king here, but the diabolical purpose of an insidious foe. There's more than just a king who's calling the shots right now, but there's a greater enemy who's trying to do something. And we know that the enemy of God's plan has been and has always been Satan himself, who has tried to squash all that God is doing. We look back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve took of the fruit. It was Satan who wanted to throw a curveball to God's plan for humanity. And throughout the people of God's history, they're faced with wicked rulers over them, threats to their livelihood, and even times that they were brought off course to worship fake gods. There is a a diabolical scheme going on beneath the earthly surface. Now, we're not the kind of people here who said the devil's behind every corner and every door. But we're also not the kind of people to ignore the fact that he's working to deceive God's people to destroy God's purposes and to squash his plans. And so from Jesus' birth, there was a bullseye on his back. And yeah, it was Herod, but ultimately Herod was the sword in the hands of the enemy. Herod is the instrument in the hands of the musician, Satan himself. And he played Herod accordingly, trying to destroy Jesus because he knew Jesus came with a purpose. Satan knew that Jesus would come to save God's people from their sins. And by doing so, Jesus would have victory over his enemies, Satan himself, and Satan was threatened. So from the beginning, he resisted God's plan. 
Here he works through Herod. We see in Jesus' ministry, there's times demons come at him. We see that even Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' own disciples, was filled by Satan to betray Jesus. And I want us to understand something here as we look at the Christmas story. Just as there was one then at the birth of Jesus who wanted to wipe Jesus from the earth, there is one who still wants to wipe Jesus from your vision. There is still who wants to remove him. He couldn't do it from earth, but he tries to remove him from our lives. God has brought you here today to impress upon you the love that he has for you and for you to come to know Jesus and live for him and love him with all your heart. Satan wants to snuff Jesus out. We've got to understand that the king will prevail. We talked about earlier, Christmas is a time that brings all kinds of emotions for us. Different kinds of sorrow, different kinds of fears, different kinds of heartache. But one thing I want us to understand is that the point of the Christmas story is a reminder that God is with us, that Jesus will and has prevailed, and that there is truly an enemy who wants to separate you from God, who wants to keep you at arm's length. And God is saying, hey, have 20-20 vision. Understand what's going on here. Let's close this gap, this distance, and see that I'm real, that I'm real. So Herod does his thing. Perhaps dozens of boys are dead. And in verse 19, when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought his life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. So now the angel is leading Joseph back to the land. Jesus is leaving Egypt. He's going into Israel. The angel's like, don't go to Bethlehem. That's too close to Jerusalem. Herod's son is there. Go somewhere else. Then Joseph ends up in Nazareth. That's the, the town he and Mary grew up in. And I was wondering, why didn't they try to go to Nazareth initially? Well, part of me is like, well, I'm sure things didn't end pretty well there. I'm sure things didn't work out pretty well as pregnant Mary with her fiancé Joseph are leaving the, the village, this small village where everybody knows everybody's business. And so no doubt they're like, hey, we're not going back there. So let's go back to Bethlehem. It's like, ah, oh, but that's not safe. So they go back to Nazareth. And you know, Nazareth was an obscure city, but it was all part of God's plan to keep Jesus there safe and hidden until the time was right for him to be public. I just love the way God does this all. He has a plan. He's a step ahead of the enemy each way. And he's a step ahead of you and me. And our job is just simply to follow him. Notice at the Christmas story, God didn't choose a castle with a queen inside of it. But he chose a woman named Mary who gave birth to the king of kings. God didn't choose a rich man, but one who came from poverty, but in him are all the riches of eternity. Let's click close in the gap here. God chose a brown Jewish baby to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He wasn't born in Jerusalem palace, but he would reign on an eternal throne. You see the tensions here? He didn't come with a grand entrance, but he's coming back with a grand entrance. His birth was announced to shepherds keeping the sheep when really he is the Lamb of God who's going to come and take away the sins of the world. He was a refugee immigrant in Egypt who gave us a citizenship in heaven. He was a baby 
with the bullseye who was the God-man with a great mission to seek and save what was lost. Man, I hope this Christmas God keeps closing the gap for you. That though there was an insidious foe who wanted to, to, to destroy Jesus and remove him, God wins, family. He won at Jesus' birth, and he won at the cross where Satan thought he had won. For a moment, hell rejoiced in whatever that means. But God had victory when Jesus came from the dead, the king of kings conquering his greatest foes. And we're going to see tomorrow night that this king is coming back one day, just as he came the first time. The baby with the bullseye was the God-man with the great mission. And today we want you to know, and we don't want you to leave unless you understand this, that Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost, and he wants you to have a vision to see that, that your sin was put on him on a cross so he would give you forgiveness and eternal life. That's the Christmas message. And that's why God can say that he is with us even to the ends of the age. You with me on that, fam? Let's pray to our God together. Lord, I thank you, God, for the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you, God, that though it seemed like Satan had a good plan to remove him from this earth, God, his plan did not prevail. And in the same way, Lord, I know the enemy would have plans to keep us far from you, God. And I pray for that man or woman, that youth who's here today, who's living at arm's length from you, God, who's been pushing you away. God, who's living uh, for the nearsightedness without any understanding of the consequence of the future. God, I pray that you would just help them understand, Lord, that they got to take away that old way of seeing things and embrace you. And say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to live for you. God, do that work, we pray. Be glorified in this place. And God, I pray that even as we sing this closing song, we would reflect upon the coming of Jesus, that holy night when our Savior was born. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's rise to our feet, family. And let's close in this final song. Family, let's sing it with joy. Let's sing it with, uh, with faith, like we believe what we're saying. And prayer team, would you come on up? Make yourself available. And for those who feel a prayer need or burden in any way, please come to our prayer team members so they can pray to God on your behalf. Let's sing together. Yonder face on 
that last line is power and his glory forevermore proclaim are we going to do that family man i pray that we do for all the days of our lives father god i thank you lord for all that you've done through jesus and i pray that we would go out and have our eyes set on you lord guide our steps in each way we go for your glory's sake in jesus name amen in just a moment you'll be dismissed but just a reminder our nativity will start in about 20 minutes uh christmas eve service tomorrow at 5 30 p.m family, we're going to celebrate hard and remember and give God all the praise through that. I want to bless you with this, not to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be all glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, all times, all times, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you guys downstairs and outside. God bless you.